Hello, Lincoln, and welcome to KZUM News. My name is Casey Welsh. I'm your host. Today is the summer solstice. It's officially summer in the Northern Hemisphere. The current temperature in Lincoln is 68 degrees and overcast. We are 68 degrees and overcast. Uh, We have two great reports coming up for you in a little bit, but first an announcement. Uh, Due to the threat of rain tonight, tonight's Stransky Park performance by Emily Bass and the Near Miracle and the Fay has been canceled. Apologies for that. And now some headlines here from KZUM News. Omaha's CenturyLink Center, formerly the Quest Center, will again be renamed after the Ang- after after Englewood, Colorado-based CHI Health bought the naming rights to the arena for $23.6 million. The terms of the deal give CHI naming rights for 20 years. Omaha's Metropolitan Entertainment and Convention Authority Board voted 3-4, none against the deal, with two board members absent. CHI Health operates 103 hospitals in 17 states, including Lincoln's St. Elizabeth Hospital. The company posted an operating loss of $585.2 million in fiscal 2017, despite revenues of $15.5 billion in the same period. CHI is in the process of selling its health insurance division, QualChoice, which it deems no longer profitable. It expects to have this sale completed by the end of fiscal 2018. On a slightly smaller scale, the future is uncertain for the Commons, a free public meeting space located at 14th and B Streets, south of downtown Lincoln. The Commons plays host to several community and political organizations, as well as support groups, meditation groups, Lincoln Repair Cafe, and more. The community space is asking for help meeting rent costs through July. They have set up a GoFundMe page that can be found by visiting the GoFundMe website and searching for The Commons LNK. The campaign is called The Existence of the Commons 2018. Still, the meeting space is in the process of selecting a new location. The commercially zoned building in which the Commons is located is being sold, and it is as yet unknown if the new owner will allow the space to continue to operate. The Commons is looking for a new commercially zoned space as a backup. They are open to any and all suggestions for spaces currently for sale or lease, and their email is thecommonslnk at gmail.com. That's thecommonslnk at gmail.com. Now we come back to the issue of affordable housing in Lincoln. In our first program, I spoke with Lincoln City Councilman Carl Eskridge about the challenges the city faces in this area and what needs to be done to address them. One of the biggest issues is convincing landlords to take an active role in securing and providing quality, affordable properties for Lincoln renters of all income levels. What is their incentive to do so? KZUM News contributor Corey Madison talked to one Lincoln landlord who has made it his mission to provide quality, affordable rental units to the people who need them most. I'll let Corey introduce his report. And uh, as far as introduction goes, I'm a reporter or journalist. Uh, I've been doing this for about 15 years and been in Nebraska for almost 10 of them. And uh, I heard about a guy named Pablo Cervantes from someone I was helping at uh, Bridges to Hope, a place of volunteer every week. And it helps uh, recently uh, incarcerated or people getting out of incarceration uh, get back on their feet. It's a great organization. And during the course of uh, helping someone shop for some furniture or get some furniture for free, I, I, I was talking with him and found out that he was struggling to get housing. That's nothing new. Everybody that uh, comes through there is talking about the struggle of getting back on their feet and getting a place to put their their belongings. And it's hard to find housing when you're when you're recently released. 
And uh, in talking with him, he mentioned the landlord who fixed him up with a basement efficiency, a guy named Pablo Cervantes, who did some uh, some things that you don't hear landlords doing much or didn't do some things that landlords uh, typically do. There was no application fee for him. There was... Uh, some there, there was uh, negotiating, and uh, over the course of I believe twenty or thirty phone calls, they found this place for for this man uh, to to start getting back uh, getting back into society. And I asked for Pablo's phone number, called him this weekend or this past weekend, and he said, "Sure, let's meet up." So we did. So this is where the story began, and this building. Uh, 1824 26 F Street. This is Pablo Cervantes, owner of Casa Properties. He just pulled up to a sevenplex a few blocks from the Nebraska State Capitol. He slept on the closet floor in one of these units for several of his first years living in Lincoln. But what is interesting about the, this building is that this was a building where I lived when I was uh, undocumented and, and not, didn't know the language and things like that. And this is the first building I ever bought. Cervantes and his wife, Katie, bought it in 2008, seven years after Pablo moved to Lincoln from Monterey, Mexico. He had visited Lincoln before, performing here twice as part of a touring dance company. He specializes in Mexican folklore, but salsas and tangos well enough to have caught his wife's eye on the first night they met. Marrying the Nebraska native in 2003 solved his citizenship issues. Cervantes went on to learn English, and eventually he became a bilingual liaison with Lincoln Public Schools. The years prior to marrying Katie were filled with challenges and uncertainty. He did not speak English, worked labor-intensive jobs, and was homeless for some of that time, on the floor for most of the rest. You know, it's, uh, it was a hard time when I was living in here, so I don't miss a lot, but I, I'm glad I own it. Cervantes still works for LPS, but Casa Properties is its own full-time job. They now own 10 buildings that house about 100 apartments in the capital area. Many of the tenants are families from the city's immigrant and refugee communities. There are also many who are attempting to rebuild their lives through programs such as Cedars and Centerpoint, which Casa Properties partners with. Our mission is to provide uh, safe and clean environments for people to succeed. But our business model is always and will always be to make money in an ethical way. Some of the tenants of Casa Properties' business model differ from the typical rental process. Prospective renters don't have to pay an application fee, for instance. Cervantes works with renters whose backgrounds might raise red flags elsewhere, telling them they deserve a second chance. He implements a one-strike policy, and in an effort to help tenants avoid trouble, he said Casa Properties invest in the buildings it now owns. A lot of times, the community perception of a landlord is this an old, crabby, um, you know, man that just wants money. And I think that uh, in order for my business to succeed, I need my tenants to succeed. That's how it works. As someone who experienced firsthand the culture shock of moving to Nebraska, Cervantes said he recognizes that immigrant and refugee families can benefit from some basic guidance before they get the keys. I remember one time going to one of my buildings because there was some smoke that was reported. So we got into the unit and, you know, got into the apartment and we noticed that uh, the people that were renting didn't know what a stove was and what it was for. So what they were doing is collecting wood from outside, putting it in the oven, turn on that fire so they can cook, 
and the little grill that is in the oven. You know, so those are the kind of experiences that help us to realize that, hey, we are assuming a lot of things for people. You know, so now when we have refugee family that spend in a, you know, in a refugee camp all their life, they were born in there and they're coming in here and they are exposed to our first world uh, and many things that we have, I make sure that, that we train them on how things work. After talking over coffee, Cervantes drove to one of Casa's buildings on J Street in his landlord truck. Oh, there's landlord truck and here I have my emergency uh, Kit. So I have the basic. <laughs> I got the basic uh, tools and materials that I will use in case there is an issue in the apartments. And after you've done it for a while, you kind of know what what you're gonna do. Like seventy percent of our phone calls has to do with water. How do you come to to learn some skills to take care of water problems, plumbing problems, electrical problems? It's called YouTube. That's how. A few minutes later, he pulled up to the complex, said hi in Spanish to a resident outside as she checked the mailbox, and headed to the second floor, where an apartment was being refurbished before a Cuban family moved in. Several boxes of vinyl flooring sheets were stacked on the kitchen floor. Cervantes said there's a purpose for the flooring material. For many immigrants and refugees, carpet is foreign. Vinyl feels like home. It reminds them a little bit of where they came from, and that is really important when you're an immigrant or refugee, you know, to have a little piece of your country. So we try to do that. Uh, and the bedrooms, we, we put carpet because we're still in Nebraska, and it's really cold, and then, yeah, it needs to be warm. That unit, he said, will be rented to a family from Cuba for $550 a month. Recently, Cervantes and his wife started a real estate management company in the hopes of getting other rental property owners on board with the Casa Properties philosophy. With that starting and the price of real estate on the rise in Lincoln, Cervantes said it is unlikely that Casa Properties holdings will be growing in the near future. And then he drives by the 2000 block of G Street. A collection of apartment buildings there are occupied by the kinds of families Cervantes works with. A few months ago, he learned they were for sale. It would expand Casa Properties holdings by about 150%. Cervantes doesn't have that kind of money, and yet he wants them. They haven't sold. Uh, there is no one... <clears throat> There is no one that will take the challenge. There is a lot of money out there, but I, I driven potential investors in here, and and what they see is I don't want to put my money in here. I, I they don't see the potential. They see they see the trash. They see the things hanging in the balconies, but they don't see the human being that is living in there and. The potential, the, the success stories that all these individuals have here, having here. I mean, you have people they have survived wars, they, they have to cross the border. You have the, the really talented people, you know. You know that they feel that they are rich. They might be poor for your expectations, but all of them feel successful. It's like we are super successful and, and, and they're happy. I mean, in the afternoon you will see a lot of kids playing soccer out there, you know, playing games, doing things. So that is what matters to me here. This is goal. This is goal. All this is goal. And this, and this, again, you can make money in an ethical way in here without abusing people or discriminating or anything. This is goal.
Thank you to KZUM News contributor Corey Madison for that report. And also thank you to Pablo Cervantes for taking the time to talk to us and to show us that it, in fact, may be possible to make money in an ethical way. Now on to a completely different topic, swimming. Lincoln is home to 52-year-old swimmer Molly Nance, who in May became the world's first woman to swim the St. Lucia Channel, a 21-mile span of ocean separating the Caribbean islands of Martinique and St. Lucia. KZUM News contributor Stefan Decker has the report. Do you ever hear about those people that go off and perform incredible physical feats? As a stout man with no physical prowess, the concept seems so foreign to me. But Lincoln is home to someone that did just that. I am Molly Nance. The The swim that I just completed um, is the St. Lucia Channel, which is in the West Indies of the Caribbean. Um, if you take out a globe, which literally I did to find out where St. Lucia was located, um, it's towards the south, so it's probably closer to South America than it is the U.S. Um, it's a 21-mile channel. If you mark the, the shortest distance between the two islands, between um, St. Lucia and Martinique, it's, I think, 21.2 miles. Um, my swim was a little bit more than that because that's how the current pushed me. But you don't, in according to official rules, you just... Um, declare the distance that's the shortest between the two. So it was 21 miles. But there's another piece to the story that has gained Molly a little bit more fame. I'm the first woman to complete the channel. Um, There are two gentlemen who have done it before. Um, A gentleman who actually lives in Martinique and um, another gentleman, I can't remember where he was from exactly, but he he had swum it in the 80s. But I'm the first woman to do it and the first one to have um, to be officially observed and documented. How long have you been swimming? Oh, gosh. I started swimming as a kid, and I swam competitively in high school and was captain of the swim team and really enjoyed swimming in high school. Um, but I didn't think I was good enough to, to be on the college team, so I, I didn't pursue it. Um, and then after college, I got married and and we had a kid and and I've always been active so I did I would run a 10k we'd go hiking I I did a lot of cycling um and I'd swim laps once in a while but not really and then when I got into uh my late 30s you know my knees started hurting and those things that happen to people who run a long time um just started creeping in and I thought you know I should I should get back into swimming and so I started doing lap swimming and rediscovered how much I enjoyed it. And then by by way of triathlons, discovered the world of open water swimming. Um, and that was just, it was, you know, like, oh, this could be my thing. This is, this is fabulous. Um, and to think that I could do just the swimming part and not have to do the running or the cycling was, was pretty exciting. But open water swimming is is incredible. It is kind of a, a pretty niche thing. There's not a lot of people who are into it, um, but I just find it fantastic. And it's exciting to see how far you can go. You know, do you, could, I, could I swim to the other side of the lake? Hold on a second. Did she say she's done triathlons too? Not really. I mean, yes, I have done triathlons. Um, and I am one of the, you know, one of the few top people getting out of the water. And then I just watched everybody pass me on the bikes, pass me on the run. And I'm one of the last ones to finish. But of course, she's saying this to someone who can't imagine being in a triathlon. 
When I think of open water swimming, I can't help but think of some of the dangers. There's isolation, undertoes, and depending on where you swim, wildlife. It is kind of scary because you, you can't see through it like you can pool water. You do kind of wonder what's in there. Um, and really, it the, the more you get used to it, the more you, you get into the lake, the more comfortable you'll become. Um, you know, there's there's fish in the lake, obviously, and, and in the ocean, and you may feel a little slimy thing flip around you. Um, when I've swum out at Branched Oak Lake, which I do fairly often, once in a while, you know, a little fish will, will slap around, um, which is surprising, but they're not very dangerous. And, you know, obviously you need to be cautious. You want to make sure that you're swimming with someone or that you at least, that somebody knows where you're swimming and it's not probably as dangerous as, as some people might think. How often do you have to swim to accomplish something like this? Well, when I'm training for a big event, like I did for the channel, I was swimming five, six days a week. Um, I would usually take a day off. There was, I think there was a two-week period where I swam every day. But for the most part, it was five to six days a week. I'd get up about 4.30 and get to the pool by 5.15 because um, I had to have coffee before I went to the pool. Um, and then swim about an hour and a half, sometimes a little, you know, push to two hours before work. And then I'd go in on Saturday and Sunday for longer swims, like four hours to six hours. Did you take anyone with you to St. Lucia? The only person I took on the trip was my husband, Paul. That's Paul Nance of Morning Breath here on KZUM. Who has accompanied me on numerous swimming trips. Uh, so he's really, you know, he's my, my crew captain. He knows... Um, the routine. He knows the equipment that I need. He knows when I need to have what are called feeds, which sounds kind of gross, but it, it's not. It's just a, a carbohydrate drink um, that I'll take every half hour when I'm doing these swims. And he knows, um, you know, he knows my stroke rate. He knows what my swim looks like. So he can tell if, if, I'm, if I'm not, um, you know, swimming in, in good form and, and probably need to be pulled. There was also a small boat crew, a support swimmer, and an official documentarian. They were all in it for the long haul. If you're unfamiliar, it can take a long time to swim long distances. And Molly had 21 plus miles to swim. It took me 13 hours and 56 minutes. So just shy of 14 hours, which is why I want to do it again. I think I can beat that time. <laughs> Between prep time and a day devoted to the swim, did you get any sort of vacation? Oh, Lord, no, no. I do over. <laughs> if that's vacation, no. After completing something so amazing, what comes next for Molly? Well, I, yeah, it's, you have to have a goal. I have found it's, it's easy actually to get depressed. You know, if you've worked on something so long and it's been a goal and, you know, there's the exhilaration of achieving it, but then you need to figure out something else or it's easy to kind of get down in the dumps. I'm, Right now, I'm thinking I might do that swim again, just because we learned so much um, that I would do differently, and I think I could swim it faster. Um, so I'd like to maybe just give that exact same swim another go. And then I, I do have another swim in mind after that, but we'll see how this one goes. What else did you want to get out of the swim? What I loved about the swim, um, I hope I'm bringing attention to a really beautiful part of the world. Uh, they would love to have um, open water swimming and channel swimming become more of a, a destination event in St. Lucia for their economic development. Um, 
interestingly, 80% of native St. Lucians don't know how to swim. So we're hoping that by making this, you know, publicizing it, making swimming a more popular event, we'll, we'll get more of those kids in the water learning how to swim. You can read more about Molly's swim on her swim blog. That's mollynance.blogspot. That will also be linked in our website later. For KZUM News, I'm Stefan Decker. And thanks to KZUM News contributor Stefan Decker for that report. On a business note from us here at KZUM News, it's not easy sourcing stories for this program with our small staff of unpaid volunteers. It takes time and effort for us to bring you stories like that which you just heard today. Here. Of particular interest to us on this program is the issue of affordable housing in Lincoln. You, the listener, know more about what's going on in your community than we do. And you know more about who's living in your community and what they pay for it, as well as what you pay. If you know of any issues or interests regarding affordable housing in the city, please let us know about it. You can call the station during business hours at 402-474-5086. That's 402-474-5086 to leave a tip. Or you can send an email to news at kzum.org. That's news at kzum.org. This has been KZUM News. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back here next week, live and every Thursday at 6 p.m. You can also check kzum.org slash news for more content, as well as a recording of this show available every Friday. If you've been checking that website, kzum.org slash news, lately you'll notice that we haven't had a whole lot going on, but as I just said, it is a little hard to source news as a very small staff here um, and all of us being unpaid. So... Uh, as well as submitting story ideas to the station, if you'd like, if you are interested at all in personally contributing any kind of writing, audio, video, or photo content to the KZUM News effort here, we would love to hear from you. The contact is the same. You can call the station at business hours at 402-474-5086 or send us an email to news at kzum.org. We check these things every day. Um... You can also listen to KZUM News anytime. Podcasts of this program are now available on several popular podcast providers, including Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, with more to be announced. Subscriptions, reviews, and recommendations are appreciated there. KZUM News is your community news, so if you have any story ideas or suggestions for coverage at all, you can email them directly to us at news at kzum.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to this edition of KZUM News, Lincoln. I'm Casey Welsh. Until next time.